there's only one snack that can make me feel like I'm having the true movie theater experience, and that's popcorn. When my mom and I hang in for a girl's night, we have to get our fix, and that's where Kelly's Killer Popcorn comes in. They're a small batch gourmet popcorn company, and believe me, one bite and you'll be hooked. Made in Austin, Texas, this family-owned business has tons of flavors. My mom loves their salted agave caramel, while I have a hard time picking between black pepper or dill pickle. Hmm, maybe I'll just mix the bags together. Oh, and when my dad and brother crash our girls' night, you know that spicy nacho popcorn is coming out. Every flavor is popped in 100% real butter and is whole grain and gluten-free. Which flavor will you be choosing? Head on over to kellyskillerpopcorn.com to indulge yourself in some scary good gourmet popcorn. And make sure to tag them on Instagram at kellyskillerpopcorn so that they can see what movie you're pairing with their flavors. That's kellyskillerpopcorn.com for American-made, small-batch, delicious popcorn. This is The Gala Show. I'm your reporter on The Beat, Gala Avery. On this episode, you may know my guest as one of the men who has shaped the Los Angeles party scene. Some may call him a photographer, but I call him a cultural anthropologist. He shot everything from Fenty to Mocha to Adidas, for publications like Nylon Magazine to Parties for Dolls Kill, even all the way to Rock the Vote. And if you're like me, a kid who grew up in the Tumblr age, you've no doubt been influenced by his photography without even knowing it. His name is Stephen Myers Dominguez, but here on The Gala Show, I know him as one of my dear friends who I feel like I've already done 100 podcasts with over the phone, Toasty Cakes. Hi, Toasty. Hello. <laughs> okay, so before we bring up the topic today, I have a question for you. Yes, ma'am. Where does the name Toasty Cakes come from? See, we talked about freezing up on this first question. I'm not going to freeze up, but that's a very special answer that only a few people get. Oh, really? I will tell you, it comes from high school, and I will tell you off air the answer. But a better answer is, I moved to LA, I'm from New Mexico, and when I moved to LA, I started to meet interesting people. And the reason that you know the name Toasty Cakes is, one day I was introduced to this girl, Corey, and She and I got along really well, and we were talking about random early 2000s internet stuff. And she said, hey, do you have LiveJournal? There's this cool new thing called LiveJournal. I said, no, but do you have MySpace? And she didn't have MySpace. Oh, my God, really? This is is how old this is, yeah. This is how old this is. And, well, the the name predates it. But uh, I was like, okay, well, I have this thing called Instant Messenger, and you can hit me on Instant Messenger. My name is Toasty Cakes. And she just, like, was screaming, oh, my God, Toasty Cakes, Toasty Cakes, Toasty Cakes. And she was an it girl. And so she started to introduce me around L.A., never by my name, only as Toasty Cakes. So when I met a lot of influential people or interesting people, I was only toasty cakes to them and it stuck. And uh, she's actually on the cover of the New York magazine, It Girls of 2023. Wow. Okay. That's kind of crazy because that totally predates like being known by your gamer tag. Like, oh yeah. I have friends that know me by my gamer tag and they only do. So it's... I have lots of friends in the social media era who you just are your Instagram name. Yeah, like they don't even know whoever you are. And yeah, like we didn't have gamer tags. I've never played a video game actually. Oh, Um, really? It's, yeah, I I have weird, uh, nerdy, like blank spaces, but um, the name came animated movies. I've never seen an animated movie. I've never played a video game. I played Tetris on my calculator. That's the nerdiest thing you could do. But it's amazing. (laughs) That is amazing. So 
Now, as always, my guest gets to bring their topic to the mic. So normally a guest tells me their topic in advance, but due to the relationship that Stephen and I have, our friendship of us just talking on the phone all the time, I don't know the topic that he's going to be talking about. So Stephen, why don't you tell us what we're going to be talking about today? Well, I think the fun part for all of us is I don't know what we're going to be talking about today either because I specifically did not think of a topic I wanted to come in here and decide when we lit up the mics what we were going to discuss. So I think an interesting topic based on our conversation last night and something I was thinking of on the way over here is discovery. And what do I mean by discovery? I mean the way that we find the things we love and how those things kind of shape us. And now it's time for a commercial break. I might be vegetarian, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy a good spice rub. My favorite place to get them is Smoked Bros, a veteran-owned and operated business that sells premium handcrafted dry rubs, spice blends, and seasonings. Guys, you can even put it on your popcorn. My favorites are Honey Badger, because he doesn't give a bleep, and Jelly and Peanut Flavor Topping, because mmm, 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 some things just taste better together. The website even has recipes, so go check out smokedbros.com to support a veteran-owned and operated business and fill your cabinet with delicious flavor. back 30 minutes on the clock starts now okay so the idea of discovery for me is such a special and important thing i think of the people that introduced me to so many things i love and those things were kind of my passport out of my life in new mexico and kind of into la into the scene that i fell into into um, the life I created for myself and you know all of us are just kind of a composite of all these things that we love and we've been exposed to but in my era in the like late 90s and the turn of the century um, we predated the internet and so if you wanted to find a cool movie you had to have a Sherpa like we're all familiar with the trope of the comic book guy or like the yeah. very annoying like the video know, store clerk the video store clerk yeah. exactly so the person at the record store who like sat up and snobbishly told you that you don't know how to listen to Guided by Voices yet or Built a Spill isn't that great or whatever. And I have so much affection for those people. And I, I was a latchkey kid when I was young. And so I was very young and I was on the early internet. Like I was six, seven years old sneaking into the university in New Mexico to like play on their computers. I was there when the first web browser was created, wow. NCSA Mosaic. And so I was on like the pre-web browser internet. I remember when IMDB debuted and I was still just a little kid, but it was this amazing tool that was going to connect the world. And it did. And the promise of connecting the world was to create this kind of global community and to like really expand of our a reach. A positive thing. It was a positive thing. And, you know, there for anything, there are always unintended consequences and there are always like second and third order consequences and one of those great consequences is 
now that discovery that I am so infatuated with uh, went beyond your hometown. It went beyond the university street in your area or you know if you weren't lucky enough to be in los angeles or new york in a big metropolitan city maybe for the first time you got exposed to interesting music or interesting movies because there was no alternative video store in your hometown or there was no record store that had the melvins or whatever and that promise of connecting the world and of exposing people to all these things that were kind of i hate the term gate kept um was rad but in giving everyone this like Bellagio buffet of 10,000 items, it kind of also pigeonholed a lot of these things and kind of like, instead of letting people have attention in their discovery, instead of letting people find um, interesting things through the people that they were surrounded by, they could kind of like retreat back into the space that they felt was safe and they could retreat back into the space that they were already interested in and we're on 14 tangents already, but for me, that's, there's this old quote that's, uh, it's Henry Ford and then Steve Jobs really ran with it, which is if you asked people what they wanted, they would have said a faster horse. Yeah. And so what that means is when, when Henry Ford is making the car, people wanted a faster horse. They didn't know what a car was. And Steve Jobs uses over and over and over again when he invented desktop publishing, the personal computer, and eventually the iPhone. And if you ask someone what they want, they know what they like. They are already exposed to the music they like. So if they're into new wave, if they're into punk, if they're into hip hop, um, maybe they're into movies and they really like Italian actionist films or Giallo films mm -hmm. or something. And that's rad. And if you like those things in 2023, there's an algorithm for you. Yeah, but my problem with the algorithm is that I feel like it doesn't actually take into account what I like and what I want. It's taking into account... I don't know what it is taking into account because I'm never finding what I want with the algorithm. Well, it, it's like a bad joke. It's like, hey, you like Drake? Let me give you some more Drake. And it's the worst possible scenario. Like I, if you use Spotify or if you use any of the movie streaming services, yeah. it's like, oh, you like this movie? Let me show you four sequels to that movie. And that's like antithetical to my idea of discovery because my idea of discovery and of being exposed to new things is... I want someone, I want to meet a person who maybe I don't get along with, maybe we don't like the same things, but I'm going to learn something from you and you're going to show me something that I've never heard of. You're going to yeah. show me something that I didn't know I was looking for. And that's the most important part to me. And that actually is discovery because I find a lot of times, it's like for me also, it's like I ask people, people always say like, oh, do you judge people for like what their favorite movies are? And I always say, no, I don't. But of course I'm judging people for what their favorite movies are. I can't help it. I'm human. But even if I don't like their favorite movie, one of my favorite things is when they tell me why they like it. Because then I can kind of see it through their eyes and I can be like, okay, I, I get like where you're coming from with it. But like with discoveries, I I do want people that they're, I don't know, that they don't even like what I like. Well, that's, a, you know, exactly how I feel because like I love documentaries and I'll walk a, watch a documentary about like, you know, how to mow the lawn if it's fucking compelling. Like, I will watch a documentary about, uh, you know, Robert Crumb because I love Robert Crumb and yeah. I am infatuated. I want to know every nuance about him and about his life and about his process and about his brothers. And that's great. But if you can make a compelling documentary about something I don't care about, I love that even more because... This is something that I didn't know I was looking for. And if you're great at telling me this story, I'm in. It, it, there's this 
quote from uh, Roger Ebert back in the day. Someone said, hey, Roger, how can you give Clueless five stars and The Godfather five stars? And uh, I think those are both great movies. And Clueless is actually one of my letterbox top four because that's how I am. But his answer has stuck with me for you know 20 plus years. And it was, it's not what something's about, but it's how it's about it. And oh, that's a good quote. Yeah, it's if you're going to make a movie about uh, teenage life in Los Angeles, you make the best fucking movie about teenage life in Los Angeles. You swing for the fences and you kill it. And if you're going to make a movie about World War II or about, you know, the mafia or whatever you're going to make your film about, just run with it and love it. And so when I'm the same way, when I ask someone what their favorite movie is, if someone gives me one of those canned answers, if they say The Godfather, Goodfellas, or something boring like that. Interstellar. Interstellar, okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, some Marvel. I've never seen a Marvel movie, by the way. I've never seen a comic book movie. Thank God. Right. I wish I could be you. I, that's the fourth time today I've heard that. Good. Uh, four is a good number. That's my lucky number. Four, four, four. Yeah. On the clock number. right now, actually. Oh, is it? We're, we're, we're somewhere. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it's... It's so interesting to me. It, that's a person who's not been exposed to good things. That's a person who's telling you what the quote unquote best movie is. But I don't want to hear about the fucking best movie, man. Like, I want to hear about your favorite movie. So when someone asks me what my favorite movie is, I mean, every day it's a different answer. But my kind of like canned answer is Repo Man. That's a good choice. Well, it's a it's because it's a little bit of a litmus test. Like everything is also like the way you judge everyone. Yeah. Everything is kind <laughs> of a test for me. Secret judging. Oh, I'm very <laughs> not secretly. I'm very emphatically and loudly judging everyone all the time. My thing though is also like, if we're talking about like, the algorithm and discovery and we go back to letterbox because you and I have kind of discussed this a little bit. I feel like the young generation of like film people on letterbox. I love letterbox. I've used it for 10 years now. Like I've, I'm still on it, but I feel like it's really homogenized and I feel like they're all like in like a circle of like, this is what's acceptable. And so it's like, if you are like, I like this other thing, I don't feel like people will accept it and like be open to discovering it. It's, it's almost like there's that uh, blue sky app, which is like the Twitter replacement. And it's kind of this similar circle jerk, which is, it's a lot of people who maybe felt like they were in an out crowd at some point in their life and they wanted to create this uh, quote unquote inclusive space. But it's also the Stanford prison experiment in that they wanted to create a space where they can exclude the people they don't like and the ideas they don't like. And so, uh, you know, I, Sean Baker has a letterboxed and, you know, right in his bio, he said, Hey, please let's be nice to each other. This is just where I write down the movies I saw. I don't need anyone's feedback on why I like what I like or what I like. Because if you go on and you say, I like a movie, if I say I like kids, someone's going to start making inferences about me or why I liked it without knowing me or me asking for their fucking opinion. That's, that's actually exactly I removed all of my ratings off a of letterbox because I've been using it for so long that I started having people messaging me like, hey, why'd you only give this two stars? And I was like, okay, well, I was 17. I'm 27 now. I was 17 when I rated that movie. A lot has changed in my life. Maybe I'd rate it the same. Maybe I wouldn't. Maybe my five-star scale is different than your five-star scale. Instead of coming at me for like, why did you rate this a certain way? Like, let's have a conversation. So I just removed all my ratings. And now if someone wants to like, hey, what did you think about this movie? They can ask me. I'm not going to like, I'm not going to rate things. I don't like it. I don't want people like 
inferring I think from there's it. There's a great answer to that, which is fuck you. Like, if someone <laughs> asks me why I rated something, the answer is fuck you because I did, and it's none of your business. And like every once in a while, I will go on Letterboxd just to give Forrest Gump five stars because the weird like little mafia of Letterboxd wants to give Forrest Gump like two stars because it's American exceptionalism, or Sixteen Candles two stars because. It's problematic all of a sudden. And so every once in a while, I will go and give like a little bit of a curveball rating just to throw it off because that's like me being, I guess, subversive in 2023. You're being punk. I'm being so fucking punk by <laughs> giving 16 Candles five stars, which is not a five star movie. But fuck everyone who has a problem with it because it's people judging a movie that's 40 years old on standards from today. But also... Anything with social media, I I am been around this for a while. Like I said, I watched the first web browser be created. Um, you have to be circumspect about who you let walk into your house and slap you in the face, mm -hmm. and that's what a lot of people think they have the right to do online. And I guess technically they have the right to do it, but you can shut the fucking door on them. Like if someone's gonna walk up to you and ask you why you did something. You have no obligation to explain yourself. Oh, also, like, I block so many people on Letterboxd. Like, if you're listening and you're blocked, like, by me on Letterboxd, it's because I just didn't like your reviews. I'm going to be honest. Like, I block people constantly if they have big reviews or, like, those, like, funny joke reviews. I just block them. I want to see smaller, like, creators that actually think about things. So I just block people. I don't care. No, I'm the same way. And, like, that's the other thing. Like, it's there's that funny social media thing where people will come at you in the real world who you know, like, hey, did you unfollow me on this or did you block me on that? It's like, that doesn't, that's pretend world. Like, yeah. we're in the real world. Why do you fucking care? Like, I have people come at me all the time. Like, why don't you follow me on Instagram or why don't, you know, why did you do this? And it's like, well, why does it matter? Because I did. Like, what is, what answer is going to satisfy that question to you other than like, I don't know. So how does someone that's like a young person that's coming up in film or music or whatever, how do they find discoveries if they are stuck in this like homogenized internet circle of people? Like, do you just start like randomly looking or do you look outside the box? Well, yeah. So going back to like the thing that I was so in love with in that in the 90s and of the century was you would go to the university area of your small town or you would go to the Melrose of your big town or whatever. And you could just find people and you, would, I, I call them Sherpas. You'd find these people who would like kind of have this like aggressive attitude towards you. Like, Hey kid, like I can see that you like this and you don't know shit about shit, but eventually you'll learn to like this. And it was so amazing. And I think there are still some people around there are still like, unfortunately, I nobody likes to listen to their elders, I guess. But there are still some interesting people around who want to show you the way or like who meet you. Like, I, I think as you know, we are people who have a lot of film knowledge or have seen a lot of movies. It's on us to go out and reach out to the younger kids. Yeah, uh, you know, even right. younger than us and yeah. say like, hey, you like this? Let me show you this. And you think you like that? Well, let me show you where he got this idea from this. Or let me show you what she's doing, you know, with this idea. And the organic discovery is so difficult in this world of AI and of algorithms. And of like, I think we've had the edges sanded off because there was like hard edges. There was that kind of like tension between someone who would say, you know, I want to watch, uh, 
Cannibal Holocaust, and then I want to watch the Lizzie McGuire movie afterwards. And there's no algorithm in the world that's going to do that, but that's something I would do. Yeah, and that's something like if you were at a friend's house or you had a friend over, you'd be like, hey, we're going to do this and then that. And that's something like in college, I'd love to do that with my roommates who I kind of hated at times, where it'd be like, we would, it was almost like dare. Is this why you were playing Cannibal Holocaust, Cannibal Holocaust, and then the Lizzie McGuire movie because you hated them? Uh, yeah, no, there was, there was definitely tension there and there was aggression there, but it was, oh you're going to expose me to something from your childhood or something that you think is cool, which is garbage. And now I'm going to give you something that maybe I love or maybe I don't love, but like, let's both learn something from this. And like, I, I remember a very specific example. I had a roommate who was like really normcore and he was a USC Stenum student. And he was like, I wanted to watch uh, Nowhere by Greg Rakai, mm-hmm. which I had already seen, but I loved it. And he refused to watch it. And I was like, okay, well, you bring a movie to the table. It's almost like a, you know, like, like a, a gunfight, a Mexican like, standoff yeah. or like a game of chicken or something like, okay. And he brought the most boring what ass, like bring? Steven Spielberg, uh, like tear jerky oscar winning stupid film and i sat there like gritting my teeth through this like hundred million dollars steven spielberg bullshit and then i put on nowhere and fucking had a blast and i watched him love the movie but he was so angry that he liked the movie that i brought to the table because it was like you were right because i was right which is you know which is that's a trend it is a trend i mean Mm. it's so funny because i there's so many movies that i haven't seen that like have you seen nowhere no i haven't seen it's the greg rakai screening of the remaster of it the 16th what's the greg rakai screening that um doom generation no 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 no. um mysterious the movie that he did with roxanne mosquita isn't roxanne mosquita in one of his movies totally fucked up I don't know. I can't um, remember now. It's like I can see the, well, the kaboom. Teenage, kaboom. Isn't, oh, kaboom. Yeah, that's kaboom, garbage right? though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You think it's garbage? I like, I like kaboom. Well, no, that's fine. But the Teenage Apocalypse trilogy, uh-huh. which is totally fucked up, Doom Generation and Nowhere are Like out canon. of water? Okay. So I got to... I, can Do you have to watch in that order? No. So you can watch in any order? You can. What order would you tell me to watch it in? I would skip Totally Fucked Up and watch Doom Generation and then Nowhere. Okay. Nowhere is like the most incredible ensemble cast. Also like on Letterboxd, I have my, uh, you know, my favorite films that where LA plays a character. Yeah. Not so subtly based on the film LA plays itself. Yeah. But it's about a hundred movies where LA is a character. It's, it's an integral part of the plot or the story. And Nowhere is this like very interesting time capsule of Los Angeles in 1997. And everyone who would maybe be someone eventually or was on their way to not being anyone anymore was in the movie. So you have like Scotty Kahn and you have Tracy Lords and oh, you wow. have people from Baywatch and you have Tori Spelling wow. and it's, and James Duvall who's in all of his films, but like it's the art direction is just bonkers off the wall, crazy. And it's one of those things where again, to just like, I guess be old. You can go to a store on Fairfax right now and you can buy the weirdest BDSM like fetish wear that you wear to Burning Man or you wear to dinner at Chateau Marmont. But back then you had to like find these things or and it was them. kind of weird or make them. And if you wore an outfit, it's because that was your style. You weren't downloading the latest trend from TikTok or buying the latest trend from Sheen or whatever. You were cultivating your own style. And for me, that was always kind of a product of necessity. So like style came from the people who didn't have the means to buy the previous generation's Mm avant-garde style. And now because of the speed of the discovery and the speed of the capitalism of it, 
everything is repa- replaced so quickly. So right now there's some, you know, 20 year old with a uh, high eight video camera who's going to watch the trailer for nowhere and for Itu Mama Tamien and then make a TikTok that uses kind of like the visual vocabulary. But it's not the same because their heart's not in it and because they're kind of doing it for the bit. It, I, yeah, I also, I, I think it's like when there are people that like really love something or like really love what they wear, especially I was thinking about like what you said about style and clothing. It's like you actually have to dedicate yourself to that. And you have to know everything about that and you have to go for it. And now it's like it's changing so rapidly that it's like by the time this podcast comes out, there's going to be like 10 different TikTok trends in like one day. Right. I and can't keep up. I don't I don't even care to keep up. My culture is not your costume. Yeah, my culture is not your costume. And I literally don't care to keep up. I have always had the exact same style. But how do you discover that in nowadays? Well, I think that that's the feature, not the bug. And I think the feature is the idea that cool and interesting kids in different little spaces around the country and around the world don't have the ability to cultivate cool trends and kind of create DIY aesthetics and make interesting music because the cycle moves so quickly that you can't have a star. You can't have a tastemaker like, like my friend who kind of like propagated the name toasty cakes. You can't have an it girl like that anymore because the it girls change so quickly and the style that comes out of Seattle that, you know, then gets transplanted to the New York times to become a Mark Jacobs show that was grunge. Like that happens at the speed of light now so that it can be prepackaged and put in like a drop ship, like little Ziploc bag from China. And in three days you get a new one. Okay. I heard this really sad thing about TikTok, like singers, um, how they have concerts now, but like the crowd only knows the TikTok part of the the song. Can we talk about this? We didn't talk about this, but I I, I also don't have TikTok. I've never been on TikTok. I've never had TikTok either. I don't know about TikTok, but I heard about it. But that's true. And and so I watched And they were throwing things. They were throwing things at the musicians and just saying, just keep repeating the same 15 seconds. And I felt so bad. I feel bad for humanity. No, I feel bad for humanity. I feel bad for everything in that. Like, there are no winners in that. You have kids who have brain worms because they are... TikTok brain. They have TikTok brain. They have 15-second loop of this little hook. Did you ever see Brain Candy, the Kids in the Hall movie? No. That's kind of a bit in Brain Candy, which is amazing. But, like, these kids' brains are fucking tapioca pudding because they hear the same 15 seconds of... The Makiba song or whatever. How, wh- when is this movie made? Uh, 1997. Okay, so like they knew. They knew TikTok was coming. I, they they <laughs> did. And you, you they lose. The musician loses because then you get into the Metallica problem or the, you know, maybe that's the Drake problem or whatever. The people like that I did this thing. So I'm not going to go and do another thing. I'm going to give people exactly what they want. And that becomes this feedback loop. And the artist never grows. The audience never grows. Everyone just kind of gets a faster horse, right? Yeah. And not only that, but also it's like people then like musicians or I guess like even like these kids are like the film TikTok or Instagram kids. They are like literally just making things for the 15 seconds. Like they're right. not yeah. even and making it, it for more than that. Which is and they probably think that we're like Waldo from Stadler, like the old bastards in the Muppet Balcony. Literally, right? like I am like an old person, like get off my lawn. We're young old people, but I, even though I never thought of myself as super pensive and I'm, I'm pretty ADHD and I'm sure you are too. Yeah. Like the idea back to that discovery thing 
you know, when I, there was a video store that popped up across from the record store when, when I was a kid, it was called Astro Zombies and it's where they had the, uh, colors trilogy, the Kislowski. And mm-hmm. it's the only place you could go and get truck Turner and coffee. And you could, by the way, get the French poster for coffee, which I had, which was amazing. And you could get gummo, which you couldn't obviously get in a blockbuster mm-hmm. or anywhere else. Um, and you had to sit through it and like, I deal with this. I, we were talking off mic. I have younger friends in my life and you try to explain to them how great to catch a thief is. And it becomes a Simpsons joke. There's like, let's just get to the fireworks factory, man. Like I want to see that part I saw on TikTok. or like I had this conversation with, uh, I have a barista at my local coffee shop who she's great and she loves movies, but she's 22. And she was like, Hey, have you heard of this movie? Eat to mama's time again. I'm like, of course I have. And she's like, yeah, I saw it on TikTok." And I just wanted to peel my skin off. It made me so unhappy because I know she saw a one minute cut of it and that shit drives me nuts. And she saw it on TikTok. And she saw it. She saw it vertical on TikTok and there's no payoff. And it's like, that's like having ice cream for dinner every day, man. Like eventually you don't know any better. And next thing you know, you're doing fentanyl. (laughs) That's a big jump, but it's true. I mean, I have, I have young friends too, because I have a film club. And so like, I think our youngest member is like 17 or 18. And when I I show them stuff, uh, we went to the Bev all together. Uh, like a few of us, and it was like a you lot sneak of sneak him in. Oh no, no, no! Not that the seventeen-year-old is not invited to oh, the okay. bed. They're Thank not God. invited to the meetup. No, no. But uh, we went to the Bev, and it was like people's first time ever seeing anything on film. Right. And I was just like, this is for me. It's weird to like be introducing because like literally they've only like seen stuff like on TikTok. Well, and I love going to a theater because I love going to a theater, and I've actually always been the person who's like, like I said, I don't really watch too many action movies i've never seen a superhero movie but i am the person who wants to go see the whale in a theater or i want to see uh you know blue is the warmest color in a theater even though there aren't like dolby atmos 7.1 and big explosions i want 100 percent of my attention to be on that fucking screen where i can't get up and go to the bathroom and turn off the tv and go take a nap i want that relationship with the movie but now when you walk into a theater there are like seven people on their fucking phone. And I have friends that argue that there should be a phone section like in the back. Like, oh, you No, can- the phone section should be stay the fuck out. I agree. It should be get I don't out. I don't think there that's why I like the Bev because it's like right. there's no phones at the Bev. And I'm the asshole who gets up, you know, if I do have to go see a movie, I try to go to like the midnight screening on a Tuesday when there's no one else. Because it's there. also the hardcore people that are going to Well those. it's hard it's it's when the assholes aren't gonna be there, I hope. But if someone lights up their phone, I'm the one who stands up and like starts screaming at them. Yeah. I, I just don't get it. It's like literally you pay for it. You're here to like have an experience and you're paying for it. Why would you get your phone out? Sometimes like the dine-in theaters, they, that really kind of grinds my gears because I do go to the dine-in theaters and they have like the menus on the phones. The Cinepolis thankfully has started giving paper menus again. But like I went to an AMC and it's like people are just like on their phones, like scrolling through, like ordering things. And I'm like, but I'm trying to watch a movie. I know it's the Grinch who stole Christmas, but like I'm trying to watch. But yeah, that's still this glowing distraction everywhere around you. And like that glowing ass white light is just it's it's a brainworm again. And yeah, like I'm 
I'm such a jerk in so many ways, but if I walk into a place like that, I'll just say, oh, I don't have a phone. I need a paper menu as I'm holding my phone in my hand. I'm like, I can't download your menu. Sorry. Well, even even when I go to a restaurant, sometimes I'm like, can I have a paper menu instead? And sometimes the waitress will clock and will notice like this girl needs a paper menu. I can't figure that QR code out. I'm a a Luddite. I know it's hard to believe, but I am a Luddite. Well, I'm a techno Luddite. I'm the Luddite who worked at Apple and was on the internet when I was six. But Yeah, yeah. I was also on the internet when I was six, but I think it was a little bit different back yeah, then. It was a little different. <laughs> I mean, I grew up on forum boards. So like, that's like something I miss on the internet. Like there are no forum boards anymore. Right. And that was hardcore. And, you know, that wasn't exactly a safe space, but there were some people in there who were there to educate yeah. in <laughs> the best and the worst ways. I mean, yeah, for sure. I'm going to say the best and the worst. I mean, that's the thing, though. It's like even like online, like when there were forum boards and stuff, I feel like there were those people that were championing whatever they wanted to do. But I mean, now I guess it is our job. I'm old. It's our job to like tell the youth what to do. Well, we can lead them to water. and, And if there are still some great ones out there and every once in a while, I'm surprised and impressed and energized by meaning young people or, you know, different people that I might not expect who do want to sit down and watch a two hour boring movie who like have seen Vertigo, which does suck. Like, and I get it. I like Vertigo. I know it's fine, but like, I remember having to sit and watch North by Northwest. Which I'm, which I'm going to go see at the Bev because I've never seen it before. Right. And (laughs) you watch like a two hour movie for seven seconds of an airplane and that's great. And I get both sides of it, but also I know that like you sit through it for the payoff and if everything's payoff, like I remember at the turn of the century when it was a big joke that like the Michael Bay way of cutting movies, like every second and seconds was going to be the thing. And here we are. You've seen Liam Neeson jumping over a fence on YouTube. It's like they took the thing at the scene and taken and it's Liam Neeson just jumping over a fence and it's literally like 12 different cuts for just him going over the fence. Have you ever seen that? I haven't seen that. Oh my God, it's so funny. Well, hey, what's the last discovery that you made? In what way? Mm, I was going to say movies, but I don't know. Maybe there's another discovery you've had. It's even more profound than a movie. Wow. I know. <laughs> I know. That's such an interesting question. And now I'm just trying to think of all the different ways because I love art and I've had some interesting art discoveries. Um, yeah, what's an interesting art discovery? Um, this isn't a new one, but I, this is, okay, let me, let me be the dom and the dom and sub of everything. <laughs> uh, I like to introduce people to things because I guess that's my role. And I was driving with a friend on 4th of July and we were going, uh, over the two freeway, kind of like looking out as the sun was setting and the local fireworks were kind of all around us because that area of LA Mm -hmm. has a lot of fantastic local fireworks, which I love. And this girl and I were talking about art and she's an artist and, and she's a little younger and she likes me to Sherpa her and hold her hand through some of the stuff. And I was kind of talking about what it means to be an artist and see the world in a different way. And I pointed to the sunset and I said, you know, if you ask most people to say the sky is blue, but the sky is not blue. The sky right now is green and it's orange and it's purple and it's gray and it's anything but blue and it's so beautiful and we had this kind of like very 
sweet moment between us. And then I asked her if she had ever seen the artwork of Alex Israel, who is a friend of friends. He's like in my friend group. And he has these very cool um, ethereal pastel paintings that evoke a feeling, even though they're maybe a bit simplistic. They're they're carrying on that minimalism of like an Ellsworth Kelly or like a Malyavec or, you know, that era into the 21st century with these uh, very fluffy clouds and very soft gradients. And I really like him. Yeah. I remember you actually sent me some of his artwork because we had that conversation about like, what is a color? There you go. I love that. Like for me, it's like if you close your eyes right now, close your eyes and think about the color blue. Okay. What, open your eyes. What kind of blue did you see? I thought of cerulean blue. Okay. Well, that's your true blue. That's the blue that's like true to you. And you can do that with any color. And now we're back to Madonna. And we're back to Madonna and the timer went off. Well, that was a really, really good 30 minutes. Profound. It's almost as if you had an internal clock that you just knew exactly when to end. That's all the time that we have for today. But Stephen, is there any final thought that you'd like to share? Be the person that you wish you met when you were a kid. Anyone you can, find them and share the things you love and don't be afraid to be obsessive about the things you love because that passion you have is going to affect someone in a really beautiful way. I love that. My mom always tells me that fear is the opposite of love. And so don't be afraid. Just love. I love that. So. I think Patrick Swayze also said that in Donnie Darko. Okay. Well, maybe my mom is quoting Donnie Darko. <laughs> mom, do you like Donnie Darko? I'm going to ask her that when I talk to her tonight. She's going to say I've never seen it. I was listening to Excess on the way in here. So okay, you did it. That's it for today. Thank you so much to my wonderful guest, Stephen, a.k.a. Toasty Cakes. You can find him and his photography on Instagram at Toasty Cakes, on Twitter at NotBrodyJenner, or on his website, StephenMyers.com. That's S-T-E-V-E-N-M-E-I-E-R-S.com. I'm Gala Avery, and this has been The Gala Show. The Gala Show is brought to you by Insertomatic. This episode was executive produced by Roger Avery and produced by Gala Avery. Music composed by Andy Milburn. As always, I'm your host, Gala Avery. Copyright 2023, all rights reserved. Despite me sharing the same last name with this charity, I don't have any affiliation with it, besides the fact that the issue is very near and dear to my heart. Did you know that in the United States, 2.7 million children currently have a parent in prison, and it's estimated that 10 million children have experienced parental incarceration at some point in their lives? I was one of these kids, and as an adult, I am really grateful to be able to give back to Project Avery. Their mission is to build leadership from within by supporting community through programs such as mentoring and outdoor education, and also to remove the stigma surrounding having a parent that's incarcerated. You don't have to feel alone. If you know a kid who could use these resources or would like to donate money or time to the charity, please go to Project Avery, that's A-V-A-R-Y dot org, to check out what this amazing charity is all about. Again, that's Project Avery dot org. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart.